Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. church if you brought kids today we're so excited there's like just I don't know it just seems like a herd of children in this church and and it's an exciting place we love it and you have kids God bless you and aren't you glad they're gone now just for a few minutes because you know what we're about to talk about today is is part two and what we started last week and and it's called stress out not stressed out but stress out because we believe God has a plan for us to get some of that stress that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, out. And we believe there's some, some basic principles. And so as we talked about this last week, you know, it was funny. We kind of joked, but it's so true. Jess came to me, you know, two weeks ago and said, I, I think this is what we need to talk about as we kind of head into the season of Advent. We're really focusing on the Lord and bringing peace into our lives. And you know how challenging that can be. And so we thought, let's talk about stress and how do we get it out of our lives. And, and so one of the things she said, and I thought it was just incredible, she said, well, number one, let's, let's do a team preach, right? So the two of us, and if you know anything about us, team preaching is, is stressful. Stressful. So I will tell you this just for free. That when Dave and I do this, our kids, as soon as we get in the car, they always say this. So don't come and say this to me after because I might cry. Okay, they always say, Mom, you're always taking all of Dad's words. It's so true. It's very it stressful the week all before. all my I... words, and so I've got notes, and the notes don't mean a thing. But I just put them there for fun. And I even highlight my parts and her parts, and we, you know, it's really great. But anyway, so there's a little bit of that that takes place. And then the second part of that was that she said, let's build, I want you to build a mountain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, take a look behind me here. Okay, so now if this you weren't here last week. This is my attempt of a mountain here. If you weren't here last week, I bet you thought we were going to unveil something yes, this let's morning. Really, yeah. A lot of you said, um, I had a lot of you say to me last week, oh, I was so excited when I came into church because I thought you had built something underneath (laughs) this and it was going to be something amazing. No, that's a mountain, everyone. Okay. (laughs) And, And you're supposed to forgive us now because Dave has told you that he is from Hamilton, Ontario. They don't have mountains there. They've got steel plants. That's right. This is a rendition of a steel plant hey, mountain. <laughs> just think of it as smokestacks. So, anyways, okay. the Lord is helping us grow into Albertans. So as we kind of walk through this series, and this will be part two today, we recognize that, you know, in, in, in the fact of trying to make our lives more convenient and trying to make things simpler in our lives, statistics actually tell us and polls tell us that Canadians are, are five times more stressed out today than they've ever been before. And, and how is that? You know, it seems like we've got more things to make our lives simpler. And yet we're more stressed out. And if you think about this, the, the top four stressors that we face in life are time, work, relationships. What's the other one? I don't know. I'm so money. stressed out. Money. money. I got no money, right? We got no cash. 
Or, or how do we handle the, the, the financial situation that we're faced with? And so we face these mountains. And some of you would say, well, okay, pastor, that's maybe some other people you're dealing with today. But I don't have those stressors. God bless you. We're so thankful for you, and we need you in the body of Christ. But the truth is, there may be some other stressors that you're faced with. And so as you're trying to climb, as you're trying to, to live this life God has given you, there's, there comes an obstacle that hits you. And how do we overcome these things? And what does the scripture say about that? So our key verse for this last series has been found in Luke chapter 21. And we talked about last week how Luke chapter 21 is like this. Uh, it's a, Yeah, I need it higher because I need bifocals, but I'm refusing to live in that world yet. Um, uh, Luke chapter 21 is a chapter uh, Jesus is talking about the end of days. And it's interesting because he does talk about a lot of things, and I encourage you to read it. But what he really tells us to do, he says, be on your guard. Now, at this point, if you uh, grew up in the 80s and you heard a lot about end time things, you would think that he's going to tell you to be on your guard for like, I, I don't know, end timesy things. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation. The word dissipation means kind of like a little by little tearing away. So, so be careful that you don't, Start off like a whole person, then all of a sudden life kind of pecks. Have you ever felt this way? Like life is pecking at you. It's not one thing that's stressing you out. It's like the million things that you're carrying, the million things that are weighing you down. And Jesus said, be on your guard so that you aren't weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. And we talked about how this text, it does mean literal drunkenness, because I don't think any of us would say that's a great way to be. But drunkenness, I mean, we can be drunk on all kinds of things. Uh, you can be drunk on um, success and power. You can be drunk uh, in, in sex and all, all kinds of things. And Jesus says we've got to be on our guard for that. And the worries of this life, it's interesting that these three things are paired together. So dissipation, that like little tearing away of our life. Drunkenness, how we get totally consumed by things. And then the worries of this life, they're all together. And that that day does not catch you unexpectedly. And I think for a lot of us, if we're honest, stress and worry and anxiety sort of catch us off guard. Uh, none of us signed up to be, you know what, I'm a 15-year-old person right now, but what I'm really looking to do is when I'm 25 or 43 is to be very stressed out. Like nobody, nobody thinks that that's where they're going to, and if we're not careful, it can catch us off guard and create all kinds of problems for us. And last week we talked about the stress cycle, and I think a lot of us uh, relate to this stress cycle. Yeah, so let me just review for those uh, who weren't here. Just we need a refresher. What does a cycle of stress look like? Well, I think the first thing that we can identify is that you become very overburdened. And if you're living with something right now that is just seems overwhelming... Listen, maybe you're walking into stress. Maybe you are living with some stress that is just too much to handle. You're overburdened. It seems like a weight that you're carrying and you've tried things to kind of alleviate it and nothing seems to let up and it just seems like you get uh, just punched in the face over and over again, so to speak. So if you're facing this, this overburdened sense today, maybe you're walking into a cycle of stress. The second thing we, we look at is we begin to, um, when we're feeling this overburden in our, in our lives, that we begin to self-medicate. 
And really what that can look like is a number of different things. Maybe you actually take some medication to, to compensate for how you're feeling and stress. And maybe if I just drink a little bit, that'll kind of, whew, the pressure will be off. And if it's something that happens over and over again that, that you're going to, to eliminate some of the stress and, and the burdens that you're faced with in life, then maybe you're walking into this, you're part of the stress cycle. And you can identify that today and be very aware of that. And then what happens after you self-medicate is that you say, you know what, uh, this, is, this is normal. This is just the way life is. You know, life is difficult, and so I take things to, overcomp- to compensate for that. And if you're at the stage where you're like, you know, that's just the way life is. I've got this stress in my life. I don't know how to handle it. It's too much. It becomes a burden in my life. And so I take medication, try to overcompensate. And it just becomes a natural way of living. And finally, you just feel stuck. If you feel like you can't get out, you feel like the treadmill is just ongoing, it's too much to handle, hey, maybe stop for a moment today and just recognize that you're in some stages of stress that you really need to look at and say, God, I need your help today. Yeah. So we've entitled this message today, Pathways to Peace, because I think uh, the antithesis of stress is peace, right? So those of us that are experiencing stress right now, I think we would all say is what I need is actually how to figure out how to walk in peace. And, you know, um, I have a great commitment. I, I believe that the word of God is practical, that it actually changes our life, that we don't actually come and sit in these beautiful maroon chairs although they are comfortable, uh, just like for a reason to sit. But I actually think that the Word of God teaches us how we can uh, get out of the stress cycle and uh, walk in peace. And part of the way we're going to do that today is talk about what peace is. And what I, what I first want to say is that peace um, is not passive. So sometimes I think when I hear the word peace, I don't know if you're like me, but my mind, do you remember those terrible um, cream cheese commercials that were on a few years ago? And those people, what was the Philadelphia cream cheese? And all the angels, they had terrible looking angels that would like, I don't know why, why did they think that angels would make us want to buy cream cheese? But anyways, <laughs> if you're a marketing executive, you can tell me that after. But so I think oftentimes we think about peace as like, ah, like peace. I'm an angel floating on a cloud. And so for a lot of us, we look at our lives and think that is unattainable because I have children. If you have teenagers, if you have, t- if you, basically, if you have had any kind of offspring, this seems impossible. Uh, but the Bible actually doesn't paint a picture of peace like, like that at all. The Bible says that peace is not passive, and all throughout the scriptures, Psalm 34, 14, 1 Peter 3, 10, uh, says this, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. The idea that peace doesn't just land on our heads, uh, we, we actually have to understand that, that peace is something we actually have to pursue, that you can't just get up one morning and go, okay, well, like, where's the peace? We actually have to learn to pursue it. And, and for, um, for some of us who have been following God for a long time, this seems rather um, difficult because we wonder, listen, I've known Jesus for a long time. How come there's no peace in my life? 
And I think some of us get trapped into thinking that peace is just passive. I, I think the second thing that we... Yeah, it's, it's not related to our circumstances. I think we need to recognize this, that, you know, for some of us, we think, well, if I, if the situation changes, it's going to be all good. You know, if, if, if my circumstances change, then I'm going to just be at a, I'm going to have a sense of peace. You know, life will be grand. It'll be good. Well, it's interesting when we look at the scripture, because everything we look at today is a basis from the word of God. And, and this is not just some self-help kind of made up sort of idea today to help you get through peace. If we don't look at God's word and to teach us, to show us what God would say about this, then we're lost. And I want you to know today that as we look at the scripture, we look at what the apostle Paul was teaching the, the church in the, the Thessalonian church. Here was a church that was kind of messed up and, and living in chaos and de dealing with all kinds of tension and stress. And in the, in the book of uh, Thessalonians, Thessalonians, try to say that five times fast. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, they're facing distress. And it says this, that now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you. You see, it, it has to do with God being at the center of our peace. He is the one who will give us this peace. And we look to him first. We don't look to other situations or circumstances to help us navigate through this or get through this at all. But it is God himself that will give you the peace that you're seeking. Yeah, and the peace isn't based on like, oh, everything's going well now. Um, I, I know this from my own life and my own circumstances that some of the most difficult seasons of my life, some of the seasons where I felt like I, uh, I couldn't figure out what was going on, is where I felt the most profound sense of peace. Um, because, you know, the Bible tells us that God walks closely with the brokenhearted. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel brokenhearted. Maybe you can't even tell anybody that you feel as brokenhearted as you do. And God says that he is your peace in that circumstance, that he can bring um, just a profound sense. It, let me give you a, a concrete example. So when my brother died, I was in my 20s, and uh, it was very unexpected. He died in a workplace accident. And I remember getting in the car on the way home from the hospital and recognizing that I would never see my brother again. And I remember driving. I was... Um, I was staying with my parents, so my parents are driving. They just said goodbye to their 18-year-old son. And I can't explain to you why I felt a profound sense of peace. I mean, I felt loss at the same time. So this, listen, peace doesn't shield us from loss. Peace doesn't shield us from all the heartache. But I do, I can tell you this. We drove, we were about an hour and a half. The hospital my brother was in was about an hour and a half from our house. As we drove in that car, I remember thinking to myself, I'm 20-something, I remember thinking, I will never not believe that God is real because I can feel his peace like a blanket over us. And over and over again in my life, I have known this peace, that his peace covers us. And so his peace isn't built based on circumstances, but it is certainly not based on our good works either. So some of us think, well, Jess, I don't know how you had that peace. You must have been really good. 
Like, you must have had, like, a really amazing prayer life. I didn't. And you must have been really an awesome. I wasn't. I, I will tell you this, that, like, I, I, I was so distraught before my brother died that I yelled at everybody. And a lot of people had come to, like, pray for my brother and be with our family. And I was so upset that I screamed. I am not proud of this moment but I will share it with you. <laughs> I screamed at everybody in the waiting room and told them, all the get out, get out. Like it was weird and you're glad you weren't there and you're glad that you can now just laugh at me for this. I have laughed about it with people. Okay, so listen, I wasn't in a good space. I wasn't like a powerful woman of God. I was just like a young 20 something year old and God's peace still came to me. Some of us think, oh, like, well that peace that you're talking about must only be for like the pastor kinds the very spiritual kinds. But, but the scripture is very clear that his peace is a gift. And his gifts don't come to us based on who we are. Some of you have lived in shame for decades. Like, I'm not the kind of person. And so you have not been able to receive God's gift of peace. Because you've lived under this cloud. Like, maybe when I've read the whole Bible, then God's peace could come to me. And then what happens is you start in January and you get caught in Leviticus somewhere around February the 14th. And so you think, well, I guess that peace is for next year. Listen, God's peace is for you. If you're breathing, God's peace is for you. And while it's not passive, it is a gift. Okay, so there's tension in this because... The passive part, when I said it's not passive, already some of your minds went to, okay, so like, what do I got to do to get it? Like, what kind of things do I have to line up in my life to like, really, it's not passive. That means we have to position ourselves to receive his peace, but it's a gift all throughout scripture. Let me read you this scripture from Colossians 3.15. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I love that because it tells me that it's up to me to let God's peace rule in my heart. Okay, so this is what peace is. It's not passive. It's not based on our circumstances. And it's not based on your good works. Okay, so there's, it doesn't matter who you are. We're all candidates for this peace. Okay, so here's the real question. The rubber meets the road. How do we get it then? How do we actually pursue peace? And all week long, so I've been thinking about this um, for a number of weeks, but particularly this week, I was thinking about, like, could I now have something very revolutionary to say at this point? <laughs> like, could it be something, like, amazing? Like, I could, then I could write a book about it, and I could, like, uh, you know, I, I, I searched the scriptures um, for lots of hours this week about this topic of peace. And the more that I searched, the more that I realized this idea of pursuing God's peace, of appropriating God's peace to our life is really very simple. And the first, the first way, listen, if you're here and you're lacking peace, you're in the middle of a stress storm, I'm going to tell you this. The, the first thing that you can do to appropriate God's peace is to worship. And, um, you know, I I knew right away that some of you would think to yourself, and you might be thinking it right now, this is not a prophetic word, just the truth, but some of you are thinking, really? Like, really? You're going to tell me to worship? Of course, we're in church. You're going to tell me to worship. That's what I got to do, to worship. But the more that you think about, the more that I thought about this, the more that I realized that we cannot get away from this idea. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God 
and all these things will be added unto you. You know, when I get stuck in, in stress, it's generally because I've let my problem become bigger than my vision of God. It's generally because I've let the problem become bigger than who God was. And I was reading this scripture. I, w I want to read it together today. It's from uh, Psalm 84. It says, uh, verse 5. We're going to look at some other verses as well in a second. But it says this. Blessed are those whose strength is, is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Okay, now at first read... What does this have to do with peace? Who cares that they went through the Valley of Baca? Like, what is this? Dora the Explorer? First we go through Baca, then we go over the mountain. And what you need to know, though, is that the Valley of Baca uh, is, is called the Valley of Tears. The, the coloring in the Hebrew word there tells you that it's like related to tears and anxiety and stress. Some of you right now are in the Valley of Baca. It's, uh, the other word picture that would be used would be like a desert, going through a desert. And really, if we're honest, that's what being really stressed out feels like, that you're in a desert and there's like no relief. And it, so the question we have to ask from this psalm is this, how do we transform a place of weeping into a place of peace. Because it says here, they go through the valley of Baca, they go through the valley of tears, they go through the desert, and they make it a place of springs. Now, whenever the Bible refers to as springs, like living springs, that's peace. It, it's a picture. Water is always a picture of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is our, Jesus is our Prince of Peace. So what the psalmist is saying is that, listen, there's a whole bunch of people that go through the valley of Baca, but it turns out to be a valley of springs. Well, thanks, David, for telling us that there are people that do this. How do they do that? When you look at the rest of the psalm, though, this is where you find out how they do it. It says this at Psalm chapter 1, uh, Psalm 84, in the first couple verses. It says, How lovely is your dwelling face, Lord, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, says in verse 3. Even the sparrow has found a home. It's interesting that this verse uh, talks about even the sparrow finding a home. Because then we get to the Gospels. And when Jesus is talking about worry, he says this. Hey, listen, look at the sparrows. They don't even worry about anything. So we know right away that this scripture is like pointing us towards this idea of worry and anxiety. So even the sparrows found a home. And the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. It's interesting because it's tying this worry. It, listen, if we're going to be people that go through the Valley of Baca and make it a place of springs, we've got to tie ourselves to his altar. Lord Almighty, my King. And then it says this, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. When they walk through the Valley of Baca, they'll turn it into a Valley of Springs. Listen. The best way that you're going to position yourself and pursue the peace of God is through worship. There's no fancy 75 point, there's, there's no, I can't tell you, and also you could do this, and also the best way that you can walk in peace 
is to worship. And if you've ever met anybody who, um, who really, let, now I'm not just talking about singing. Singing is part of that, and that's why we begin with corporate worship. We do that because it's actually positioning ourselves to say, God, I need your peace so I can hear you this morning. I'm going to worship you. The reason we worship with our whole bodies is because we're actually pursuing the peace of God in our lives. But the way that we do that is not just through singing. It's through like our everyday living. When, my, uh, when I was a teenager, my parents, I've told you this story before, and I'll probably tell it a hundred more times before we're done here, but not today. Um, my dad and mom came to Jesus in a really extraordinary way. But my whole life, my dad would walk around the house going like this. Oh, praise God. Praise the Lord. Oh, and, and like I'm laughing at my sister right now because our whole lives, it was like kind of like, come on, dad. We have people over right now. He'd sit down on the couch and he'd praise the Lord. Take notes of this. I have the same dad. Yeah, we have the same dad. Oh, Except it was in Italian. How did your dad say? Hallelujah. You know, just, yeah, same thing. All day long, this is what they'd be doing. And I'd be thinking, my dad worked at a bank. And I'd say, Dad, you could get, I think you could get fired for doing this in a bank. Um, He'd sit down. Oh, praise God. Praise God. But when our family walked through a really hard time, like I told you, it was then that I realized that that worship, that was continual, continual, allowed him to walk through a hard season because the dry places were able to become springs. And if you've ever met somebody before who's walked through a hard time and you would say, yeah, like I don't know how they got through that unscathed, I'm going to tell you emphatically that underneath that you always find people who have found and who have walked out what it means to be worshipers. See, this worship, this worship that we give to God is not because God is in need of it. God does not have an ego problem like he needs to be told how awesome he is. It is to remind us how awesome he is. It is to open up the eyes of our understanding. And this is why church is not just like self-help, because it actually is about uh, making our eyes, fixing our eyes on the one who's bigger than our problems. Okay, so that's the first thing, worship. And the second thing, and this is very clear throughout the scripture, is, is that we would get community. We walk in peace through community. We cannot do this on our own. So we worship God. Now, there are some people that got the worship part, that have the worship part down pat. But then you try to be a lone ranger. Like, so like, I don't need anybody. It's me and Jesus, man. And that's categorically unscriptural. You, you can't have one and not have the other. Hebrews 10 tells us, don't, don't give up. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Okay, basically, how can we help each other not give up? How can we help each other not lay down in the fetal position? Uh, this is how we do it. Don't give up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more, as you say, the day approaching. Now, I think we look at that scripture often uh, traditionally in churches, and we go, and that's why we come to church. And it is. Sort of. We don't just come together, like, just so that we can say, look at our church. It's great. We're full today. We, we come so that we encourage each other, so that we walk with one another. And listen, uh, the world is understanding this now. Uh, Johan Hari wrote a book 
a number of years ago called Lost Connections. One of the most powerful books on connection and addiction and this whole idea of stress. It's not a Christian book. He's a journalist. But he says a few things uh, that I think are particularly important for us today. He said, loneliness isn't the physical absence of other people. It's a sense that you're not sharing anything that matters with anyone else. And some of us, our peace, our lack of peace, is exactly because of this. Being deeply lonely seemed, this is what the researchers found, being deeply lonely seemed to cause as much stress as being punched by a stranger. So imagine this for a second. You're walking along, you get punched by a stranger. I am extremely stressed at this point. If you don't know me, don't punch me today. But this is how a lot of us live, continually live our lives. Lonely and disconnected from one another. And one of the most practical ways that we can begin to walk in peace is to find people. Find a group of people that can speak to us. Now, this works, uh, and you're happy about this if you feel like you already have a built-in community. But what if this morning you don't feel like you do? And all week long I was thinking about you and praying for you because I know that to feel friendless, to feel like you don't have anybody, God designed you for people. He designed you for relationship. This need you have is not because you're less spiritual, but precisely because you are. And so... Um, I, I, and I was thinking about Jesus and his disciples. Listen, if Jesus needed friends, so do you. And it's not enough to come sit in maroon chairs. It's not enough to come, just come to a 1.5 hour service and say, well, like, I'm, it's okay to say that part of the reason I am feeling stressed is because I feel profoundly lonely. This has got to be a place where we can put up our hands and actually admit that, yes? Like, like, listen, the world doesn't need more gatherings of random people. The world needs to see what community and connection actually looks like. And here's some signs of good friends. Listen, if you're here and you're praying, maybe, maybe you're here, maybe you've chosen this church hoping that you would find friends. I'm praying that you will too. There have been seasons in my life where I've had to say, God, I, I need people. I need, I need people. So here's how you know. Good friends will always tell you the truth. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. They'll always tell you the truth. If you get friends that are always telling you you're amazing and there is nobody else like you, they're not your friends. Because you are amazing. But you also got problems. <laughs> Proverbs 27, 5 to 6 says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Some of us are, so, okay, let me just, let's just get honest for a few minutes. Some of us are afraid to find friends at church because we've been hurt at church before and people have said mean stuff about us. And I mean, you could find mean people at Walmart too. So it's like, this is not really like, when people are like, I did go to church, but I was hurt by people in the church. I think, oh, great, you weren't in an alien church then. That means you were with people. But sometimes we need, always, we need friends who will tell us the truth. So our staff has been doing this little, uh, we've been doing like 
talking about ourselves and we've had all these like amazing, I do, I, I've had these moments where I was like, seriously, I do that? I didn't know, I, well, I knew I did it, but I didn't think anybody else noticed I did it. We noticed, uh -huh. yes. I had this like, I had this great revelation a few weeks ago that I did something that's quite weird and I'm embarrassed about it. And I said to Dave, do you think other people notice I do that? And he's laying in bed and this is the best way to talk, really. He was like, yes. And then he turned over, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> so I, I called my sister the next morning because, you know, your sister might be the next best person. And I said, do I do this? Did you know I did this? Yep. It was like silent for a few minutes. <sighs> wow. You've got to have people that tell you the truth. We've got to be a truth-telling community that like, cares enough about each other that we can tell. This is a spiritual function. This is the function of the body of Christ that we would get in each other's lives and tell the truth. So I'm praying for you that you find friends that tell the truth. And they show up for you. Friends, good friends, show up for you. And I, I don't think it's ungodly or unspiritual to tell people, listen, you haven't shown up for me. Show up for me. And then finally, they push you to Jesus. Listen, you can have lots of friends, but if you don't have friends that are pushing you to Jesus, you'll miss the part of worship. Okay, so like, it's not just about connection. Your loneliness is not just about connection. Or, or your stressed outness is also about worship. So you need people that are going to push you to worship. They're going to say, open up your eyes. God is with you. Stop complaining about that. He's bigger than that. And you might not like it at the time because sometimes truth hurts, but you need it anyways. And this, in the end, so how do you get there? Uh, be the kind of friend you want to be. So be someone that tells the truth, that shows up for people, that pushes people towards Jesus. Uh, get involved in something outside yourself. Be consistent. Can I just say this to you? You can't, you can't say, I come to this church, but I really have no friends. And then you push a little bit. How much do you come? Once every nine weeks. Nobody can be your friend if you're here once every nine weeks. We don't remember it, especially if you change your hair. <laughs> so for the past, uh, this last semester, I, I, I've been, uh, had the privilege of being part of a small group. And I think um, all my friends in my small group are here. I, well, some of you are here today. Um, and, you know, for the first couple of weeks, it was like kind of like, I don't know, we were trying to get to know each other. You know, you have those awkward kind of like, you hope. And when I get nervous, I just talk and talk and talk. So I'd be like, I see you, my Dean. You heard that, you hear me going like, <gasps> barely take a breath. But you know, we just all kept showing up every week. Everybody just kept coming. We, our little small group met in the foyer and it was usually freezing there. It wasn't cozy. In the first few weeks, we talked more about like, sort of like surface level things, but like last week, which sadly was our last week of the semester, it's like all of a sudden when you keep showing up, you give an opportunity for people to like show up with their hearts. And I want to encourage you, maybe you weren't in a small group this fall uh, or this fall, but in January, can I just encourage you, if you're looking for that kind of friend, if you're stressed out, one of the best things you can do I know you don't have time. I know you don't have margin. I know your kids won't like it if you go out at night. I know all these things. I know you don't have gas money to get here. I know you don't, all the excuses. I know them all, because I make them all too. Um, but I, 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 I want to tell you that if you're stressed out and you lack peace, this may be the most important thing you do. Find people 
keep showing up for them, even when it doesn't feel like really powerful the first like seven weeks. Just keep showing up because God does something in the middle of that. He comes to us in the middle of that. Let me just say this in regards to that. You know, one of the things I've noticed is, uh, you know, we'll come, if we just talk about church alone, and we just say, you know, I, I come to church, but I don't need to be there every week. Like, you know, I did my duty. I was there twice this month. And maybe you're doing fine, but there's someone in this place that needs to see your consistency. There is someone here that is missing you not showing up for them week after week. And whether that's in the church or whether that's just in relationship. You know, if you're a friend to someone once a year, what kind of relationship is that? You're missing out, not just for you, but for the other individual. And I think we got to keep that in mind. We do relationship together to get in each other's faces, to, to recognize, listen, I know what you're saying. You're saying everything is good, but I can tell you're hurting down deep inside. And I don't know if I have the answers, but I know of one who does. So let's go to him today. Mm -hmm. And let's trust God in this community peace, that through that, God would speak to us and allow us to live in his peace. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, so for before Dave and I came here, we had pastored in the inner city for a decade. And I, um, you know, now you've got the long tail. It was about, 50, was it 15 years ago? 10 or 15 years ago. And so the kids that we, that really populated our church because we had more kids than adults okay so but they were all from very hard hard backgrounds and I was thinking about this a little bit um, this week that the kids that were able to make it through but become amazing people amazing adults they become doctors and lawyers and they're all over the world doing amazing things but it's Essentially, uh, statistically, they should never have done that. They should have been plowed under by their stress. Should have been plowed under by anxiety. Should have been plowed under by um, pain and hurt and disappointment and all the mountains that we talked about last week. But the kids that were not, categorically, you can look at them across the, across the board, were kids that learned how to worship, learned how to not let their problems overtake them, and kids that learned to be in community. And we're no different. Right? The kingdom of God is flat. It doesn't matter what trauma you've been through or if you've been through no trauma. The best way that you're going to be able to live in that peace is to be able to say, God, would you teach me how to worship you, really worship you? And would you teach me to show up for people, even when it's hard to show up for people? Yeah. Why don't we just take a moment this morning and uh, just bow our heads together. Let's just listen. Let's just be reflective for a moment and without it being weird or super spiritual. I, I believe that there's something about listening and hearing the voice of God. And if you are not familiar in how to do that, just simply quiet for a moment. And so, God, you see each one of us. God, you know what we're facing. You know every person in this room. You know every situation that uh, we are dealing with. And some of these mountains are so difficult. Mm. And we don't know what to do. And so God, today, please submit these overwhelming situations to you. Yeah. And God, we ask you to, to speak to us today. Mm -hmm. We give you time. We listen for your voice. Mm -hmm. 
We listen for clarity. God, as we, over the next few days and weeks and months ahead, we want to hear your voice through your scripture, through reading of your word, through listening to what you would say for that mountain that we are facing, God, to be overcome through Christ. We ask you to bring us peace. God, may we actively pursue you. May we really seek you in the, in the mountains of our lives. And not to just give up and say, God, if you really care, show up and do nothing. So God, every situation, every individual in this room today, we pray that your peace would come in, that you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice, and that we would act upon what you're calling us to do. So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed today, maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, I have, I've never made a decision to serve this Jesus you're talking about. And I'll tell you right now, the, the best thing you can do on this pathway to peace is not do it alone, but do it with a God who is able to help you, to speak to you, to bring clarity to you. And maybe you're coming from a different tradition. Maybe you're coming from a different religious background and, and, and you weren't used to really engaging with Jesus like this. I want to say to you today, give Jesus a try. It's not religion. It's not a set of rules and guidelines, and, but it's, it's about a real relationship with Jesus today. And as you trust him, as you get to know him, you'll get to know how he thinks and feels and moves and acts upon uh, and what he's done for you and what you can begin to do as a disciple of his, as a follower of Christ, he will show you what that looks like. And so don't give up on Jesus today. I'm asking you to press in, pursue him, ask him to help you. So if you're here today and you're saying, Dave, would you just pray for me? I want to receive this Jesus. Maybe I've had a different tradition of background and I've never made a decision to to pursue Jesus. Today's my day. I want to follow him. I'm not sure how to do that. We'll walk with you. That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll walk with you and show you what Jesus has done in our lives. But you're saying, that's me. I want to receive Jesus today. And that's simply, I'm not going to embarrass you anyway. Just lift your hand up, put it back down, just so I know who I'm praying for today. It would be so helpful. Thank you. Is there anybody in this room today? Just give me another moment. Yeah, that's what I want. I want Jesus in my life. I want to receive him today. So God, you see those hearts and the hands that have been raised. God, I, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak clearly, would produce something so new in them that would cause them to come alive, cause them to know who you are and pursue you. We thank you for what you're doing in lives today. In Jesus' name. So this week as I was thinking about how we could remember to walk in the peace of God, I had this really amazing idea that I would buy little doves for everybody so that you could keep it in your pocket. Do you ever have something that you just keep in your pocket and you put your hand in your pocket and you can feel it and remember it? I'm, I need physical reminders. So I went on Amazon and I saw these little doves. Now, total disclaimer. Doves are a lot smaller in real life than they look in Amazon. They're so small. They're micro She's doves. She's holding one right now. You may not see it. You but may put them in your pocket, 
and lose it. I'm praying you won't. There is no theological correlation between how small the dove is and how big the peace of the Lord is in your life. Ian said it could be like a mustard seed. Boy. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah, super small. I knew it was bad news when they came in like a 500 came in a package this small. <laughs> but listen, I have spent $25 on these doves. We are using them this morning. Uh, but here's the thing. I kind of was playing with it all, all morning. I, I practiced to see if you can feel it. You can. Maybe you don't do stuff like this, but sometimes when life gets overwhelming, I, I, you know, the thing is, we, we didn't ask for a show of hands of who's feeling stressed today. Because truthfully, yeah, yeah, somebody's are raising, I see your hands. <laughs> we don't have to put our We're hands We're all up. <laughs> feeling a bit stressed, right? So the thing is, when life starts getting going, I, you know, this little dove is a little piece of plastic, a very small microscopic piece of plastic. We're environmentally friendly here. Um, but maybe you're going to put it in your pocket this week and maybe you're going to remember when you feel that dove God would you help me to keep you at the forefront would you help me to, to worship you to remember that you're bigger than my problems God I can't do this alone so I'm praying that you would either bring me people who are going to be heart friends to me or God I'm praying for those heart friends to come to me and some of you, I know I've prayed with you before to receive heart friends. And some of you are sitting with someone today because God came through. Others of you are feeling just like a bit alone. And I'm praying every time you touch this little dove or just even remember this message that you'd say, God, would you send me those kinds of people? Because worship and community are going to help us to live in peace. Yes? Would you stand with me this morning? So God, we pray for your peace that passes all understanding in every circumstance, in every part of our lives to radiate through us, to hover over us, to be everywhere we are. Speak to your people today, God. Speak peace over them. Speak peace over their heart, over their family. May we be people who not just talk about your peace, but live in your peace. Powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Now go excitedly and get your micro dove. Yes. God bless you. Have an awesome day. And just remember that God is with you, He's leading you. Today at 3 o'clock is a great cup game. We're going to have an event here. If you want to join us, come join us and uh, we'll watch the Hamilton Tiger Cats win this year. God bless you. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.